Good morning again. Uh, so I've been thinking a lot uh, just about decisions lately. Um, my life and, and yours is this, the same way. Our lives are all marked by the decisions that we make. Big or small, good or bad, um, our lives, the decisions that we make, no matter how big they are or small they are, they set us up, right, for a trajectory in life. It could be in a big way, a small way. Um, and another thing about decisions is that our decisions actually impact other people's lives as well. The things you and I choose to do every day, they impact not just us, but also other people. Um, I think back to several of the decisions that I've made in my life, and they varied in severity. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is choosing to go into ministry. I chose to go to a, a Bible college, and I, the decision to pursue ministry has seriously set up the entire trajectory of my life. Um, it's the reason, I believe, that I met my wife. Um, it also prompted uh, another big decision recently was to relocate from Lebanon, Indiana, and to leave a church that we love to go to Southern California and uh, be a campus pastor there. But my life has been marked, right, by that decision. There's several others. The best decision I ever made, short of following Jesus, was choosing to pursue my wife. And I'm so glad that she chose back. I think she chose pretty good, personally. Um, at least I hope she thinks that still. Uh, but choosing to follow that, that, that desire to have her in my life is just, it's a blessing, right? But then another decision, the decision, it was a more recent one, to start our family. Now, that was a decision that we were excited about, but it also led to some pretty hard times. Infertility is a very real thing. And to struggle with that and then to not know, like one minute you're hopeful and then the next minute they're like, nah, it didn't work. And it's just an up and down. But that decision was hard. But we're so thankful that we get to uh, hold our little baby girl who's 10 months old uh, this month. Um, just some other smaller decisions. The, the decision to start watching what I eat like intentionally and exercise, uh, that's paid off tremendously because I didn't really grow up doing that. I watched what I ate, but I didn't care what it was. Um, and, and I'm the healthiest that I've, that I've ever been just from that decision. You see, all of them, no matter how big or small, they all impact my life in different ways. And yours is the same. It's the same. Um, that decision that you had to pursue her or to ask, ask her out or the decision you had to pursue him, um, maybe it led to, or you're hoping it leads to a proposal. Uh, maybe it's a really life-giving decision, or it could be the opposite end. Maybe that decision led to some toxic relationships. Um, I think a lot of us probably have those in our past, right? Decisions that we made romantically that ended up not being very good ones. Maybe for you, it's a decision to pursue that career, uh, either right out of high school or you went to college for something, and maybe that was a really good one because you, you're doing something that you love or you're hoping to do something that you love and you're real excited, or maybe you've done that for a while, or maybe you're one semester in and you're thinking, oh no, what did I just do? And, and maybe you'll choose something else. The decision to either watch what you eat and to exercise or to not, uh, that plays a difference, especially later in life, that, that, that really plays a difference in your life and in my life. But our life, they're marked by decisions, aren't they? Every single day, big, small, good, bad, they're all marked by the decisions that we make. So here's the question then. It's the main question that I wanna ask you today. Will you try and make good decisions 
that put your life on a better path? Will you learn from your poor decisions, commonly referred to as mistakes? Perhaps a better way to put it, and I really think this is the biggest decision that you and I will ever make, is this, choosing to pay attention to and then improve our decision-making, I think is, is going to set us up either in a really good way or not so good. And just a disclaimer, I really think today's message, I think it's going to be helpful for uh, you no matter where you're at in your uh, faith walk or even if you are a Christian. If you're not a church person or you happen to stumble upon this online, um, I think it'll be helpful for you too because all of us can benefit from learning to improve our decision making. But I'll have to warn you, I, I think the stuff we talk about today will be so much richer in the context of a relationship with Jesus And I would just encourage you to make one choice today, and that's to find someone, and they're there, that is in your life that does go to church or does believe in Jesus. You know they've talked about this God character, and uh, just just ask them a question about it and and start a conversation. But for for a lot of you here and online, you've you've made decisions. You, You follow Jesus, but you've made decisions, maybe even just this week, that have pulled you away from that relationship. I do it, you do it, all of us do this. In fact, some of the decisions we make pull us away almost on a permanent basis, and it could be a choice someone else made that impacted you, that gave you a really negative experience with faith. Um, Or it's just the day-to-day grind, and we just start to make choices as followers of Jesus that pull us further and further away from him. I'll be honest with you. I can look back on my life And I can see sometimes when I chose really well, like choosing who I got married to, chose really well. But I can also look back on my life, and you know this because you can do the same thing, can't you? And there are many times that I look back and think, what on earth was I thinking? I wish I could go back and choose differently because I would have, because I didn't realize what that decision did not only to me, but to other people. Parenting, that's all you do is try to make sure your kids don't make the same really terrible decisions you made when they were their age, right? Parents tire themselves out trying to do that. Today, I want us to hang out with a guy who um, made decisions all over the map. Some were really good. In fact, some of the decisions that he made still impact you and I today. But he also made some really boneheaded decisions, some really terrible ones. And I like that because I have too, and I'm sure you have. But we can learn a lot from this guy named Peter, the apostle Peter, Simon Peter. He, he, was, he was a close friend of Jesus. He was one of those, when you read about him or when you study him, he was, he was that guy that is not afraid to say something. He was the type A personality. You get that sense, right? He was just bold. Like, I really appreciate Peter's boldness. He seemed to always pipe up and speak up, even maybe when he shouldn't have. And, and I, I see myself a lot in the Apostle Peter. He was zealous. He had a lot of energy. But he was also the disciple that Jesus, it seems like, always had to constantly keep a tight rein on. Because he would just go wild, Right? And Jesus had to train him and mentor him. He's got some growing up to do. And in a lot of ways, I think we do as well. But uh, Peter was a fisherman by trade. So that was his job. He and his brother Andrew was a family business. 
And from the story today, you, you get to wondering if he was even any good at his job because they were fishing all night long. And we're told by Matthew, one of the writers of Jesus' life, we're told by Matthew they caught uh, nothing. And several other gospel writers, they caught nothing the whole night, okay? So they fish all night, they've caught nothing, which that's the scary thing if you're a fisherman. Because your whole entire uh, way of living relies on if you catch fish. And they just hadn't caught any. And, and, and you can almost assume that it's going to be some tight days, maybe months, maybe um, weeks ahead or whatever, uh, because not only did they have to pay their bills, but they owed the Roman government taxes because the Roman government would just tax you like crazy if you were a Jewish person and they, they weren't really forgiving, right? So you owed money. Things were going to be tight if you didn't catch fish when you went out to do your job. And that's exactly where they found themselves when this happens. Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee he sees the two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They, they were casting nets into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out the fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. I, I love the story, like the first parts of these stories when Jesus is gathering his disciples. He had a way about him, didn't he? He'd just say, follow me. And they're like, okay. They just get up and follow him. And, and you can imagine, like, Peter, he probably knew about Jesus before because it seems like everybody kind of knew about him. But he was just a passing thought to this busy fisherman just trying to keep his family afloat. And, and what I love about this story is we're told in another gospel that they were fishing all night. They caught nothing. And Jesus tells them, throw your nets in just one more time. And you can imagine Peter being annoyed. I would be. It's like, I'm done. Like, I'm not gonna, I, I just fished all night. You don't know what you're talking about. You're not a fisherman. But he does it out of respect. He throws it in. And next thing you know, the boat starts sinking. Like the nets get so full, they start tearing. They, they pull in the fish. It fills the boat. The boat starts sinking. But thankfully, they, we assume they were close to shore. And, and, Peter is just dumbfounded, like, how did this happen? But what I love about this story, and I don't know if you've ever thought of it this way, we know this about Peter. He had a wife, like he had a family. His mother-in-law was pretty sick. Eventually, we find out she would be really sick. Um, Jesus allows them miraculously to catch enough fish that would set his family up for a while. They were gonna be okay because he was about to call Peter away and say, follow me. But I love that, that Jesus also sets his family up to be completely fine in his absence. That's incredible. And then Peter, after seeing this, he's just seen something he cannot explain. And Jesus says, follow. And he does. He leaves everything and he follows Jesus. He decides to trust and follow Jesus. Just one decision. And, and, and you and I know this. There's decisions we make that we understand they're probably gonna be big, but we don't really understand how big until later, right? We look back and we go, man, that impacted so much. I had no idea. And I imagine that was what Peter thought later in life. That one decision, it would impact him. It would impact his family and eventually the world. His story still impacts you and I today because he chose to trust and follow Jesus. One decision biggest decision. Do you, do you have choices that you've made in your life that you can look back on and say that about? 
Many of us crave them, and maybe you do. Maybe you have some that you look back and you go, man, I'm really glad that I chose to do that. Now, if you're like me, a lot of your decisions you look back on and you say, I was at a crossroads and I knew what the right thing to do was, but I chose to do the other thing. And don't you wish you could go back and fix it? Wouldn't that fix so many things? And, and it makes you feel stuck. You almost feel like you can't come out of that. But I wanna give, give you just a little bit of hope today and tell you that you can. Because each day you and I get the choice to make good decisions that set us up on a better trajectory in life. We get the opportunity every day to choose um, to do something else that will impact not only us, but those around us. And I wanna just tell you something. I really mean this and I see this. That your decisions... The, the mistakes that you've made, they do not define who you are. They do not define your future. They, they certainly don't define how God feels about you. They do impact your future. They very much do. They may for the rest of your life impact your future in some way. But they do not define who you are. And they certainly don't define how God feels about you. And I hope you hear that today. I hope you hear that. Peter made this super important decision to follow Jesus. And the world is different because of it. His whole family was different because of it. You and I get the opportunity to do that as well. And maybe you don't. Maybe you don't believe. Maybe you don't follow Jesus. Maybe you're just here because you're trying to appease a grandparent or something or some parents. And I would just encourage you to explore and to ask and just see that your choices that you make every single day, they do impact you and they do impact your future and they do impact other people. And we get to have a hand in writing that story by, by choosing wisely. But I'd love to shift gears if you'll let me. I wanna talk about another decision Peter made. I really like that there's this contrast. You see him start out so well, and you think there's nothing going to stand in the way of that guy, but boy, something does. I like this contrast because it shows me just how boneheaded I can be in my own decisions, and it gives me some peace of mind knowing that God can still use someone like that. Let me just set the stage for you. Peter, it's been three to five years since that day in the boat when Jesus allowed them to catch so many fish, when he started following him. It's been an incredible ride. Three to five years, and, and he's watched Jesus just transform the world. He's watched him do things he didn't think were humanly possible, and they're not. He knows, he, he knows there's something special about Jesus, and he loves this guy. And Peter's a pretty incredible dude. I mean, he has helped set the stage for, for the early church. And now Jesus, his friend, is at the end of the line. Literally, he's at the end of his life. He is about, he tells them, I'm about to be betrayed. And I'm about to be handed over and I'm going to be killed. He's been telling them that for a while. They didn't believe him, but now it happens. The mob comes, they handcuff Jesus, they take him away. But Peter, he's so stubborn, and I can appreciate that. He can't let Jesus go. So he follows at a distance. They, this mob takes off his savior, his best friend, and Peter follows. He can't let him go, and he follows him into the courtyard. There's this courtyard where the high priest is waiting, an angry mob of just rioters are waiting. They're all fired up. They're all mad at Jesus. 
And they've been waiting for a while to give him a lesson. And the scene is kind of bleak. Like they say there's fires around, like there's fires to keep warm, you know, it's cold at night. And, and Peter is trying to blend in while they start to beat Jesus. They start to mock him and spit on him and question him. And Peter's trying to blend in. And he goes to one of these fires. And a Dr. Luke, one of the writers in, in the New Testament, um, he, he writes down this account. We studied Luke last year as a church. And in chapter 22, Luke writes about this. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light, it's by a fire, looked closely at him and said, this man also was with him. But Peter denied it, saying, woman, I do not know him. You can imagine how awkward that would be. I don't know if you're like this or not, but like we, we've, the mask thing's been going on for a while, but when it first started, like I couldn't recognize anybody. Like you get so close to him, like are you who I think? Like it's so weird. I had people get close to me. I'm like, back up, man. And, and, and I just didn't, like it's just awkward. Well, that's what happens to Peter. This woman's like, oh, I know who you are. And he goes, no, you don't. I don't know him. And under the pressure, he flakes, he cowers. And it makes me wonder about you, it makes me wonder about me. What decisions have we made this week that say the same thing? What decision are you making in your life that says, I don't know him, when you know exactly who he is? But the choices that you make that I make say, no, I don't. Love to say Peter's done, but he's not done yet. He's just getting started. He was, he, he was a lot like us, right? He went all in for something. So he didn't just mess up once. He had to do it more than that. And Jesus had already told him, hey, by the way, Peter, in a few days, you're gonna deny me three times. You can imagine how that made Peter feel. And if he's anything um, like I think he is, he's probably thinking, I'm gonna show you. I know you're God and everything, but I'm not gonna deny you three times. You're crazy. Well, a little later, someone else saw him. They said, you are also one of them. But Peter said, man, I'm not. The second time. Now, at this point, he's probably mad. I would be mad. You've been mad when you've messed up twice or several more times. And I can imagine him saying, okay, Jesus, like, I messed up twice, but I won't do it a third time. I've messed up enough. I will not do it again. Have, have you ever said that yourself? Well, I've done the same thing again. I'm not about to do it another time. Famous last words. Because then it happens. And after an interval of about an hour, he's probably thinking he's in the clear. Still another insisted, saying, certainly this man was also with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. Talk about a bummer. Not only once, but three times in a single night. We know this, that there's another gospel writer that writes down this story, and they add this interesting fact, and you can just imagine the heartbreak on Peter's face after he says that, that third time. The other writer says, Jesus found him in the room. He locked eyes with him at that exact moment. And Peter went outside, and he wept bitterly. Can you imagine living with that? Because it happened, Jesus died, a brutal death. And you have to live with yourself knowing that you had a chance to stand by him and you left. 
you denied him. You can relate to Peter, can't you? You guys, there are times when we choose so right. There are times when we look back, we go, man, I made some good choices. But then there's those, those times and they overshadow those other ones where we make just terrible choices, terrible decisions. And we wish we could go back. We wish we could undo it. We wish there was something we could do and choose differently. And those, those times wreck us and they're harder to overcome, aren't they? But I want you to hear this today. You can, you can overcome those. You can choose better because Peter's story isn't over. Jesus did die. He didn't stand by him. But when Peter does, or when Jesus does come back to life, that actually happened. We celebrated it a few weeks ago at Easter. Jesus does come back. And do you know what he does? He finds Peter. And he sits down with them. And then they go for a little walk. And it's just the two of them. And, and, and Jesus starts whispering to him. And he forgives him. And he gives him a calling. He says, I'm going to use you. Yeah, you messed up. And Peter's like, I, I know. And he goes, but your story isn't over yet. I'm gonna use you. You are going to be a rock, Peter. We're gonna build our church on that. Your story is never over. I want you to just think for a moment. If you have messed up, and I know you have because we're human. I have. Stop thinking it's the end of the line. It is not you are not a lost cause. There is still work to do and your life plays a part in it. Do you know what you do when you know you've messed up? You do exactly what Peter did. He owned it. He owned it and Jesus honors that kind of honesty. It's called repentance. And Jesus says, yes, you did mess up, but that is not going to define you. In fact, you're gonna do even better things than you did when I was here with you. Your story is not over. It's not. If there is breath in your lungs, own your mistakes, own our mistakes, and let's move on and let's honor him with our choices and our decisions because there's work to do. How do you know? How do you know you're making the right choice? Don't you wish I could tell you? I wish someone would tell me. How do you know if you're, gonna, if you're making the right choice at the time? One thing I've learned in our recent season is that sometimes the right choice doesn't always feel good. In fact, the choice to follow Jesus would have been for him to say, yeah, I do know him, and you can kill me too because I'm not leaving. It wouldn't have felt good. The best way I can describe it to you, church, is just to give you a little bit more of an insight into something we shared last week, just Sarah and I's transition to, to transition from LCC to go to Southern California for, for ministry. I'll just tell you our context, and it might apply to you, it might not, but hopefully it'll help you see just decisions don't always feel good. And we can't rely only on our feelings because then, then we'll never make a choice. I can tell you this, over the past several months since this whole thing started, God opened a door and we started to walk through it. I can tell you there have been many times when we were so excited and ready, like, we'll go tomorrow, we're good. And then the very next day, we're like, what on earth are we doing? We've got to stop. God, we're closing the door. We think you're closing the door. We pray you're closing the door. And then he says, no, I'm not. 
And then we'll go, well, good, we're glad it's open. Let's walk through it. And it just kept going because decisions don't always mean that everything feels either right or you're confident in all of them. Isn't it crazy how some of the most important decisions you make can make you feel so confident one minute and then scared and curled up in the fetal position the next? It's like that's how you know you're making a significant decision. And I can tell you guys this, and, I, and, and, and this is true. Now that the decision's final, like we're, we're going, okay? Um, there is a lot of happiness and like excitement, anticipation, but I'll be real with you, there is a whole lot of sadness. Our family is in the Midwest. We grew up here and we built a house that we sold 15 months later. Like, who does that? There's sadness to, to think that, and there's fear, if I'm honest, like, what if I mess it up? And I drug my family across the country for this? You still chose right, remember. There's a lot of fear, but there's also a lot of excitement. Then there's a lot of sadness, and I gotta tell you, there's a lot of joy knowing that God has, has chosen us for this. I used to think, and I've matured since about three months ago, and realized that this isn't the case. I used to think that if there's sadness involved in a choice, that it's the wrong one. I was so wrong. I think that's a healthy choice. Because I think it just shows maturity and it shows working through um, the different elements, the different emotions that we face when we make a significant decision in our lives. Our family through this transition, I'll just tell you this as we wrap up our time. We've chosen to um, have a new pledge in our family. We didn't write it down. It doesn't rhyme or anything like that. It's just we, Sarah and I want our daughter to see this. We want this to be our pledge, and maybe it'll encourage you. It's really two parts. Um, the first part is we, we want to pledge to each other and to God that we are going to let him shake our comfort. Because we're really comfortable. We were really comfortable not looking for anything, and then boom, hey, we want him to shake our comfort because as Sarah and I were talking about this, especially in preparing for this message, we've realized in those times of great distress and, and great, great discomfort, God has grown us the most. And you know it's true of your life too. You remember that. So we want him to just constantly shake our comfort. If we're getting too comfortable, just shake it a little bit. Let us continuously just, just be faithful. So that's the first part. The second part is this. We want to, under any circumstances, we want to do anything short of sin to get people to know Jesus, including moving across the country. We want to do anything short of sin to show people that Jesus is absolutely crazy about them and he has a plan for them. That's, that's what we want to do. And... You don't have to do the same thing, but I hope it at least starts a conversation in, in your family, in your life, in your dorm room, in your classroom, in your study, in your life group, to just begin to frame our decisions around, God, we just wanna be faithful. Whatever that looks like, help us to choose. We know that there's many different options, but God, just help us to choose. We'll just be faithful wherever you lead. We are the church, <laughs> And our decisions since the start have impacted the world. So let's make them with Jesus, our love for Jesus, and other people in mind. 
I would say this, and this may seem just intense, but I would never make another choice without considering what it would do to you and other people, especially significant ones. It is a scary place to be to say, I just, I just want to be faithful. But that's what we're called to do. And he is so good to honor that. It will not be easy. But it will be so fulfilling. Because our decisions impact not only us, but our families, our friends. They impact the world. And you get to have a piece of that story. And you get to make this world a better place. And you get to advance God's kingdom from the choices that you make each and every day. So I hope and I pray that we will all join together and make good ones. That honor our Father. That honor Jesus. Because he is king. He is king. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would keep our heads up. And that we would look to you, God, I, it, is, it is so hard with all the choices that we're faced with every single day. But Father, I pray that we just be faithful. God, I'm thankful that over the past few years that you've uh, used, used my voice um, here and in our family and Sarah's voice here and in our schools. And God, it's just an incredible blessing to be able to further your kingdom no matter where we're at. Father, we know that miles mean nothing when it comes to your family because you're everywhere. And the church is everywhere. It's everywhere we are. So I pray, Father, that you would give us the boldness and the courage to make decisions and to choose things that will bring people closer to you and not away. Thank you, God. Thank you for the call to be faithful. 